clothes and bows back to the mackin' and the clothes. Adolescents packing up a knock on the door. Who is it? I was happy to know the one with the blow. Who did it? It was me, I suppose. Jay-Z in the rolls and looters in the cut supreme. Skating down old Mac, tucked and lean. Just bling. As a matter of fact, I'm the team. No blood on the snakes. Gotta keep it so my kicks is clean. I get the cream. Cops see me flick my beans. I'm allergic to Dr. Cry and I get the means. Oink, oink, pig, pig, do away with the only silver I need a steak knife and a fork. Did you forget your manners? I'm Bruce with banners. Ludacris, Johnny Rockets when I the cannon. The woolly mountain of saber tooth. Bite your tongue. I won't stop until I'm rich as the whites will come. I pull up in a black lotus. Your plaques are bogus. So I stripped them off the wall. Waiting for my cue to corner pocket eight balls. You racking them up. I'm big paper like pancakes stacking them up. In fact, I'm... <coughs> and we're back. This is Jeff on the Yum. Season 5, Episode 4, ostensibly a baseball podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to our show. That was Jermaine Dupree, Welcome to Atlanta, featuring Ludacris. Kept it going because I was waiting for the chorus, but the chorus was never coming. <laughs> Thanks everybody for joining us tonight. It is Monday, January 28th. Broadcasting in from Champaign, Illinois, my name is Joel. With me tonight, as per usual, are Sam and Eli. Fellas, how's it going? Hey, what's up, Joel? This is Sam. I'm broadcasting uh, live from Brooklyn, New York. My hot take for today is uh, is that Dump on the Ump is officially the only credible sports media conglomerate out there. Uh, I was reading this article on ESPN this week that was about how it's like breaking news that four of the officials in the Rams-Saints game were from Southern California. And throughout the entire article, which read very much like a hard-hitting, groundbreaking sort of like gotcha journalism piece, it would like say a paragraph about how fucked it seemed, how fucked up it seemed it was. And then it was like, nobody thinks that actually there was any sort of effect on the game based on the location where these people live but right. it looks really bad right. but the saints are not complaining about it but it's really terrible but the league's not going to take any sort of action because nothing bad actually happened but it looks really bad and it was just <laughs> like such a fucking piece of steaming garbage that like they're just so desperate to put for like scandal that they're like right. printing nothing <laughs> it's a conspiracy. And, yeah, but it's not. It's not a conspiracy, but it looks like, you know, in the movies, it would have been a conspiracy, you know? Yeah. Ever since the success of Deflate Gate, the something new. Yeah. <laughs> uh, hey, everyone, it's Eli. I'm coming at you uh, from Boston. My hot take is more of a, a, a feel good take, if you will. Um, Naomi Osaka, the 21-year-old Japanese uh, tennis player, had sensation. her sensation. Uh, had her day in the sun, winning the Australian Open um, for back-to-back slams. She, of course, was the one who won in the U.S. Open back in last fall, uh, but her victory was completely overshadowed by. Serena Williams' uh, fight with the judge or the chair or whoever it is. Um, so kudos to Osaka, uh, who looks like she may be 
taking the uh, women's tennis league by storm, moving into yeah. number one in the world. Yeah. No, shout out to Naomi Osaka. That's exciting. Uh, like I said, my name is Joel. Tuning in from Champaign, Illinois, and my hot take is actually more of a cold take. We're at 18 degrees right now in Champaign. On Wednesday, we have a high of negative 2, a low of negative 16, with wind chills that could reach up to negative 40 degrees. So here comes here comes that <laughs> polar vortex. Um yeah, so if this is my last broadcast and you find my cold and frozen body in the snow next week, I apologize, ladies and gentlemen, but it's been a good run. We'll just, yeah, it's been nice knowing you, Joe. Yeah. yeah, we'll just weekend at Bernie's you on the podcast. Uh, oh, yeah, that'll, that'll work out perfectly because it's radio. Right, yeah. <laughs> exactly. He's a really silent contributor. Yeah. Uh, what if you guys is going to have to push the play button? That may be beyond my technological abilities, actually. <laughs> yeah, it'll be a completely off-air show, actually. <laughs> and then it's just... <laughs> it's just me and Eli bullshitting on the phone. Right. <laughs> Well, that's all we've been doing for five years, recording, yeah, recording that's true. this talk. <laughs> um, but now we get strangers to listen to us, which is awesome. Um, speaking of which, shout out to everyone who listened to last week's episode, Butthurt Saints fans and the Robot Overlords of the Future. Um, special shout out to our listeners in... Bend, Oregon, Champaign, Illinois, Portland, Oregon, Atlanta, Georgia. I see you. Welcome to Atlanta. New Iberia, Louisiana, Toronto, London, England, Ashburn, Virginia, New York City, Singapore, Moscow, Dosvidania. And a special shout out to our friends in La Porte, Texas. So I looked up Laporte. Yeah, something's there. Yeah, it's in the Houston metro area outside of Galveston. Notable people include Sarah Emma Edmonds, a Canadian-born woman who served as a man in the American Civil War under the assumed identity of Franklin Thompson. Now, here's the thing. She's Canadian-born... But she's a famous woman from Laporte, Texas, and she served in the Union Army during the American Civil War. As a man. As a man. As as Frank Thompson. I want to know more about this lady. Yeah. Seems like she's a transgender abolitionist northerner she probably wouldn't be too popular in texas that's what i'm thinking yeah 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 right and how'd she get from canada to texas and then back to joining the union army is that how it is that how it went down or did she fight in the war and then settle in texas oh possibly 
Uh, she died in Texas in 1898. Volunteered in Flint, Michigan. Hmm. I'm not sure that Laporte, Texas gets to claim this woman. Yeah, right. It is on their Wikipedia page, though. She was born right. in New Brunswick. She was born in Canada. Uh-huh. Um, anyway. I'm going to read more up about her. I didn't actually do my uh, do research <laughs> on on, uh, on Sarah Emma Edmonds, a.k.a. Franklin T. Thompson. That's an interesting point about kind of proto-transgendered people. Um, huh. Yeah, sounds like a badass, though. Although, report, home of Coben Richards of the NFL, Sean Rogers of the NFL, Gene Washington of the NFL. A lot of NFL players coming out of LaPorte, Texas. So, yeah. yeah. That sounds more LaPorte. Yeah, that sounds a lot more LaPorte. Anyway. You ever notice that about famous people? Is that like 12 different geographies will claim them as their own? Yeah. Yeah, especially areas that don't actually have a lot of people to claim. Yeah, the uh, in in Europe, in Italy, there there's these cities that you'll go to, and there's a number of cities that claim Dante Alighieri. Like they'll yeah. have their statue. They're like famous. You know, this is was the home of Dante Alighieri, but like. He was actually in prison in those places, you know. <laughs> <laughs> after after he died and be, you know became world famous for his works, his poetry, then they're like, "Oh yeah, no, he lived here. He lived here with us. He's one of us." And actually, he was like exiled there and in prison. You know? Yeah, he lived here in the prison that we put him in. <laughs> right, he lived here. It was against his will, but he's one of us. Yeah. <laughs> Well, Dante Alighieri was also, like, the only famous person for about 300 years. True. Yeah. Yeah. You know what he would have been really good at? What? Twitter. Yeah, probably. Yeah. He would have fucking yeah. loved Twitter. <laughs> yeah. The Inferno in tweets would have been, like, a really long string of tweets, you know? I bet you someone's done it. Yeah, probably. Yeah. If not, Can you imagine Galileo trolling the Catholic Church on Twitter? Yes. <laughs> That'd be amazing. Yeah. <laughs> Until they just break into his apartment and fucking murder him. Yeah, that's true. That yeah. also would happen. That also would happen. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. he could live tweet it. Or he'd like put it on Facebook Live, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> oh, good. He'd be like, oh, story time. The Catholic <laughs> Church is outside my door. <laughs> yeah, you get the alert on your phone. Galileo Galilei is live now. Yeah. <laughs> Tune in before the video ends. <laughs> yeah, that kid fucking murders him with a halberd. <laughs> oh, yeah, no, great historical authors and their Twitter feeds. That's something I'm very interested in. Yeah. Yeah, maybe we should start a couple of those. Yeah, we should. Did you guys follow the Andrew Luck, like, Civil War soldier Twitter feed? No. 
it's pretty funny. I it it it's not the most intelligent thing on the internet, but it's pretty funny. It's basically just making fun of Andrew Luck's facial hair and pretending that uh-huh. he's a Civil War era general. And so each after each game that the Colts played, the Twitter account tweets about either their victory or their defeat in kind of Ken Burns style uh uh what's that called? Letter writing epistle. Yeah, yeah. Then yeah. <laughs> they just do like a sepia filter on a picture of Of Andrew Luck. Andrew Luck. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Not smiling. <laughs> right. <laughs> uh-huh. Um yeah, so everybody also check out last week's episode because it's very long and you should check out the last 20 minutes. If you don't have an hour and 20 minutes to spend listening to us bullshit about sports, definitely check into the last 20 minutes because that is fucking brilliant and genius and you will definitely want to thank us for that. The ways that you can thank us is by subscribing to our podcast on Apple iTunes. Give us a like, a rate, and review. You can also follow us on Twitter at Dump on the Up. Check out our Facebook page, our WordPress page, and subscribe to us on SoundCloud, Dump on the Up. It's pretty easy because there's not a lot of competition for that Dump on the Ump name, except for that fucking board game, which I think we finally surpassed in popularity. After five years. <laughs> That's good. It's a yeah. slow burn. It is a slow burn. Yeah, yeah. <sighs> this is the year. Oh, yeah. This like, is definitely the year. ESPN is doing everything they can to, like, totally dis... What's the word? Baseball. Make, make themselves a laughing stock, you know? Mm-hmm. Well, did you read... They're going to cancel baseball tonight. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah. What do they replace it with, like, further dissecting the NFL offseason? Right, and ultimate fighting championship uh, mugshots. They're just going to, like, up their NFL, like, time quotient to, like, 75% during the summer? It's just going to be Mel Kuyper putting conditioning in his hair. (laughs) For For 30 minutes. I really hate right. hate Mel Kuyper Jr. It's just going to be Mel Kuyper Jr. putting lotion in his hair and speculating on what Antonio Brown is doing with his offseason. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Although that would be kind of cool if Mel Kuyper were actually at, say, a Dominican barbershop talking to them about football, but they really want him to stop talking about football. <laughs> right. And they, like, keep cutting him with the razor accidentally. Yeah. Oh, sorry. Oh, oh, sorry. <laughs> sorry, man. Oh, yeah. shit. Not again. Usually I'm so good at this. <laughs> and then Mel Kuyper is on TV the next week just covered in blood. Yeah. He's got, like, a bunch of little pieces of toilet paper stuck yeah. in his face. <laughs> Mel, what happened to you? Uh, I don't want to talk about it. <laughs> Actually, that's I would watch that. Yeah, that yeah. Would... yeah. <laughs> Dominican slowly torturing Mel Kaipu Jr. Yeah, I'd watch that show. Yeah. <laughs> um, um, Condor sixty nine. 
Uh, <laughs> so, <laughs> speaking of football, the uh, Super Bowl is next week. What do you guys think about that? Hey-o. Hey-o. Uh, yeah, I think, I don't know, it's, I just feel like the whole long two weeks in between the AFC championship, it's like if the, if the Super Bowl was yesterday, I would be like frothing at the mouth for it. And I feel by next Sunday, I'm going to like have lost like a lot of my testosterone drive yeah. towards it. You know? Yeah, yeah you, you mentioned that last week. You really don't like the two weeks off between the championship games and, uh, and the Super Bowl. I hate it. Yeah. I hate it. I can't stand it because a, it's too much time. I mean, a week between games is already too much time. And B, um, the storylines are just so played out by the time you get to the Super Bowl that it's just like you're almost exhausted, you know? Like the buildup is almost too exhausting. Yeah. And if you're and if you're not a fan of the two teams that are in the Super Bowl, like it must be torture. I I don't know the feeling. <laughs> yeah, it's I been a while. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but it must be torturous to have to listen to that the same shit over and over again about teams that you probably despise because they're there instead of your team um, <clears throat> in the news. And like yeah. you know, for the for for a fan whose team's in it which I do know what it's like, that is, the buildup is just too long. Get well, me there. Yeah, I've got a couple of thoughts about that. My first thought is, you know, I don't really have an NFL team that I root for, which is fun, actually. It's nice. And so now I get to bandwagon. I'm on the L.A. Rams bandwagon now um, and trying to justify it as best as I can. But when you're not actually heart and soul invested in a sports team, then you can kind of have this ironic distance from everything that's happening, and it's just hilarious. We were talking a little bit earlier off-air about the Patriots' rally and their their big send-off before they went to Atlanta. Man, I fucking loved that shit. That was like like theater, theater gold to me. Uh, I love the pomp and circumstance right now surrounding all of this. Right, but it could be shortened, like, by, say, a week. Yeah, but think of it from ESPN's perspective, you guys. Come on. (laughs) Fuck ESPN. (laughs) The up is the future. Right. (laughs) (laughs) Like, how are we going to fit... Is on top of the sports media world. The Super Bowl is going to be played three days after the championship game. Immediately <laughs> after WWE yeah. style, after the Patriots beat the Chiefs, the Rams storm onto the field, and right. you play the Super Bowl in Kansas City. Right. The the Rams literally have three hours to get from New Orleans to Kansas City for the Super Bowl, which will be played at one a.m. Eastern time. On a Monday morning, it gets right, and each each team gets one tag team that they get to call on, like at yes. any point in the game from the NFC <laughs> or the NFC. Yes, who would you call? That's a great well, point. It's the losers of the of the championship games are like 
You thought they got eliminated, but who's this? Oh, it's the New Orleans Saints. <laughs> yes. Oh, yeah. No, the New Orleans Saints come play with the Patriots. Yeah, exactly. Right. Yeah, and the Chiefs yeah. go play with the Rams. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, man, that would be so cool. <laughs> now, do you only bring in a guy at a time? Because if you were the Rams and the Chiefs, I think you'd be at a disadvantage, but you could have Mahomes come in as like a, a tailback, and then you've got Goff and Mahomes in your backfield, and you could play some crazy trick plays. It'd basically be the Pro Bowl, is what I'm saying. Right. And nobody likes right. the Pro Bowl. Which nobody likes. Yeah. Which happened yesterday, too. Which is like another thing. It's like an extra slap in the face. It's like, oh, you wanted the Super Bowl to be today? Well, <laughs> it's the Pro Bowl instead. <laughs> Asshole. Yeah, no, <laughs> I, did, I, I did not watch the Pro Bowl. Nobody watches the Pro Bowl. No. No. Yeah, no. It also doesn't make sense because it's like probably a lot of the best players are going to be in that final game and they don't get to play in that game. In the Pro Bowl, you know? It's like, why would you have the exhibition game that's supposed to be filled with all of the best players in the league the week before the game that actually matters? Yeah. Most of those good players can't play in it Yeah, because of that. I think, I think the NFL All-Star game is the stupidest of the three major sports All-Star games by far. Did we talk about Patriot Pat? Who? What happened? What? Oh, oh man, this is gold. So uh, earlier in the week, last week, when all of the Pro Bowlers got to, where was it even played? I don't even know. Orlando. Orlando. So they all got down to Orlando. They were doing all the, you know, pomp and circumstance around getting ready for the big game. And, um, and a Jets player, a linebacker, out of you, out of uniform, no pads, completely blindsides the Patriots mascot as hard as he can. Gets up like he just stuffed a rushing touchdown to beat, you know, win the Super Bowl in celebration. Stands over Patriot Pat like he's, you know, Tom Brady or something, and then. Takes a video of it, posts it to his social media accounts. Patriot Pat went to the hospital. None of it was staged. <laughs> what? Patriot. <laughs> yeah. And, yeah. And, like, how sad could it possibly get where a Jets linebacker, in all his glory, is taking it out on a fucking mascot? <clears throat> you know what? That guy is going to be playing for the Buffalo Bills next year. Mark my words. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Because the Buffalo Bills, they're the only team that looks at the Jets and <laughs> wants some of that, you know? Rex Ryan. That's who we need. Rex. <clears throat> like, I'll have what he's having. Yeah. Fantasy uh, yeah. East is a fucking joke. Yeah. Right. Right. Okay. So, but is uh, there, like, legal ramifications to that? What's the deal? Like, is Patriot Pat pressing charges? I, I I would if I was him. I'd take him to the bed. Hell yeah. Went to the hospital. I mean, and then the guy had the gall to like post it, you know? 
<laughs> you gotta watch the video. I mean, you should post it to our social media accounts, uh, Joel, because it's just, it's absurd. Um, that, that's not the first time that's happened, though, right? Because do you remember when there was, in a baseball game, I think it was a sausage race in San Diego, I mean, Milwaukee, you know, they have those, uh, the, the three wieners that race around the outfield track. Oh, yeah. And then yeah, they were yeah. running, and as they were running past the visiting player's dugout, one of the guys takes a bat and hits one of the sausages in the head and knocks them over. Right. And I think that there, <coughs> there was either legal action or, like, financial compensation to the sausage for that. I do remember that the the it seems so odd that you would take your frustration out on the most innocent right part of a team's organization like instead of like sliding into second cleats up because you're fucking pissed off at the shortstop you take a bat to the mascot's head uh, <laughs> I guess the the most recent update on Patriot or Pat Patriot, I guess that's his name. Patriot Pat's better. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Take a letter. Uh, he the mascot is still dealing with jaw, neck, and back soreness, and was checked for a concussion. <laughs> I mean, you got to look at the video online. It just. It looks like a middle linebacker trying to take down the quarterback. Before quarterback rules apply. Right, but it's not the quarterback, it's just some dude in a costume. Right, it's, it's like some a, poor teenager in a costume. Right. <laughs> probably isn't even the actual Pat Patriot, right? Because that guy's probably with the team. Yeah, yeah. he's the backup. He, yeah. <laughs> I actually think I read about a lot like a long time ago that there are four different guys that do Pat Patriot. Yeah, Patriot Pat's way better than Pat Patriot. Yeah, I agree. Okay, all right. So now we actually have to do some sports actual analysis. Like, how is this football game going to go? Um, I think it's going to be good. I think... I like the Rams. I'm on that Rams bandwagon. But I really like the LA Rams. I think... Looking, we talked a little bit about this. Looking at last year's Super Bowl, which defense is going to get a stop? And I'm counting on Aaron Donald to be that guy who gets a stop. What do you guys think? Well, I think two things. <clears throat> I think the uh, offensive line of the Patriots has been playing out of their minds in the playoffs. True. Um, because the pass rush, rush of both the Chargers and the Chiefs was good, and Tom Brady hasn't been sacked yet. Right. And their offensive like game plan has been very conducive to that also, with like a, on pass plays an average of two and a half seconds getting out of like the ball out of Tom Brady's hands. Mm-hmm. And then I also think that. And I think I said this before the championship game also. I think that it's, like, irresponsible of anybody to, like, take anyone over the Patriots in the postseason until, like, I think that they're, maybe they're the underdogs, I can't remember, but they were, like, 
no, slated they, to lose the first two games. And Patriots, I think, are two and a half point favorites. Right. So basically, slight, and, slight favorites, slight favorites. Right. Yeah. And you know they crushed the Chargers and really like missed opportunities to really open run up the score on the Chiefs. All like or yeah, the yes, Chiefs. yes. Um, like that game was really close, but like it didn't have to be. There were some real missed opportunities. So yeah, to Sam's point too, the Patriots guard Joe Thune, um who's part of the offensive line, of course. This is his third season in the NFL and will be his third start in a in a Super Bowl. Uh-huh. Which is the first player in history to ever go to the Super Bowl the three to start at the Super Bowl the first three years uh-huh. of their career. Um Yeah, I the the defensive line of the Rams does not scare me in the least. Um, really? Per- no, I mean, I think they're overblown. Dominic Sue is like, you know, people love to get on the Dominic Sue bandwagon. And he's a big, strong defensive lineman. But I think it's more his allure as a bad boy. You know, I don't know if you remember when he started in the league. I think it was with the Oh, I, re- I remember. And, and he yes. got fined like every other game because he would like stomp on dudes next. Yes, he did that shit in he, college too. Yeah, he's just yeah. a dirty, dirty, dirty player. So now he has this, like, Portland, reputation. Oregon, representing Portland, Oregon. There you go. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. So he has this reputation as being better than I think he actually is. And I don't know. You could look at the statistics. I'm not basing this on any of that. But it feels like most of the times that we faced the Dominic Sue, he has not met the expectations that I set in my mind for him. So I'm not going to overstate his impact on the game. As for Donaldson, is it Donald or Donaldson? Donald. Donald. Mm-hmm. He's, I mean, he's he's a real deal, but he's only yeah. one guy. So fuck him. Right, but I think that having Donald and Sue on the same defensive line me, means that you've got to put your best guy or best two guys on Donald. We've seen time after time him just walk through double teams. And that means that your number two or your number three offensive lineman is set to defend against Sue. Because I think you're absolutely right, Eli, that, yeah, your best offensive lineman should be able to contain Sue. But what about your third best offensive lineman? That's where it gets challenging. Um, Yeah. I don't know. Throughout the playoffs, I don't think that... I don't think that... uh, Brady's been sacked. No, he hasn't. So, he hasn't been. Right. He's been rushed once or twice. Uh, yeah, no, that offensive line has held up. Uh, yeah. So, yeah, no. I mean, I think the, the, the challenge will be to the D-line, not the O-line. Yeah. Now, let's look at the other side of the ball because I'm really curious about Rams offense versus Patriots defense. In the AFC championship game, the Patriots played it brilliantly with that opening, what was it, eight-minute drive just to keep yeah. the Chiefs off the field. Because the Rams' offense is not, probably not as explosive as the Kansas City Chiefs' offense. 
if they were pretty damn explosive, but not in the same manner. Do you think New England's going to have a similar strategy, or do you think they're going to change it up? I think that they're going to keep their offensive strategy pretty much the same. <clears throat> they, uh, it was basically the same offensive strategy against the um, Chargers as well. Um, and I think that that being said, like the Patriots will come into a game with three or four or five offensive game plans. Uh-huh. Um, and they'll try like, you know, they'll try their initial one. If it doesn't work, they scrap it and move on to plan B, plan C, plan D. Um, I think that they're, you know, considered to be the one of, you know, definitely the best coached offense in the league. And they have like a lot more options than most other offenses, I think. Yes. Well, so I think that you're going to come out hard with the run a game, and if it works, then they'll stay with it. And if it doesn't, they're going to change to something else. Can they stop? I, I just want to throw something out at you real quick. The Patriots' offense uh, in the in the Belichick era is 49-1 and one when the team rushes for over 100 yards. Oh, interesting. And that's going to be Sonny, Sonny Michelle mostly, right? Right. And, and White. And white. and white and Burkhead, uh, who all split the rushing in the last game exactly at thirty-three percent each. Oh, that's fascinating. Everyone yeah. is interchangeable. I mean, maybe not Tom Brady, but but that's a key of Belichick's offense. Right. Yeah, I think it goes to show too that as long as the Patriots can get their rushing game going, then that plus what Tom Brady brings to the table pretty much every game, you know, is unstoppable. Yeah. I'd like to see Gronk involved in the passing game a little bit more. I was about to say that. I bet you will. They've been using him primarily as a, like, rushing, blocking tight end um, in the postseason and I guess the rest of the second half of the regular season, which... He's really good at because he's so big. I don't know if you guys noticed, like, we're paying attention in the AFC Championship game, but they kept showing these replays of Gronk blocking these, like, linebackers, and he's just so much bigger than they are. Right. And he basically pushes these little people over. You know what I mean? Yeah, these little people being NFL linebackers. Right, like 250-pound NFL linebackers. Yeah. Yeah. But right. really, he looks like a schoolyard bully when he's like matched up, or if he's like blocking a corner or something like that. You know what I mean? He's just—it looks—it looks like he's like the mean guy on the schoolyard. Yeah, yeah, I think it'll be good. Do you guys want to do your picks now, or do you want to wait till the end of the show to give you picks? I don't feel like my pick is going to be much of a surprise. Well, you know, you got to add some detail. <laughs> you can say points. You can go right. for points. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We need points and, and justification. Uh, I'm going to go Patriots 42, Rams 35. Oh, interesting. Wow. Shoot at. Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh, I think it's going to be a little less than that. Um, I think that the... The defense is, especially on the Patriots side, has got a bit of a chip on its shoulder after last year's Super Bowl when they gave up one million yards and right. twelve yeah. 
thousand points to Nick Foles. So I feel them coming out with a chip on their shoulder. I think that the Patriots are probably going to win. Gets them thirty-three to twenty. Oh, interesting. Oh, two scores. The first ever Patriots Super Bowl win by two scores. <clears throat> yeah, um, I don't think it's going to be that close. I'm I'm going. We talked a little bit about this last week, and we talked about this last year with the Eagles Patriots. The defense that can get the stop is the one that's going to get the win. And I'm going with the Rams. I think the Rams are the team that's going to get that stop. It will be something weird. It will be um, a tipped ball for an interception. It will be a strip, uh, excuse me, strip sack. Or, or maybe even nothing that dramatic, like a, a batted down ball. I think the defensive line is going to get to Brady. I'm going with the Rams, 28-24. to 24. Wow. I also see, uh, what's his name? The little guy having a really big game. Edelman? Edelman, yeah. Because yeah. he fucked up so bad last week. Did he? He, he made a couple good games. He had a big game. He had a good, yeah, they went to him at the end of the so, game. Like, tipped a ball that ended up as a... In a uh, not an interception? No, it was an interception. Oh, and, was it? Yeah. And, and yeah. he, like, fucked that punt up, even though he didn't touch yeah. it. It's like... You know, yeah, he fucked up. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Uh, I don't know, Sam. He had those two huge third down catches in overtime to right. seal the deal. That's what I was yeah, thinking. No, of. But he also, you know, he's not going to forget about that shit. No, no, he's uh, he's definitely clinically insane. Yeah. <laughs> so you know that for like two weeks, he's just been in a dark room with, like, lashes hitting his back. No, I feel like he just, like, just, like, goes into Canada and sits in a frozen river. You know what I mean? And this is what you deserve. Yeah, he just, like, sits underneath a waterfall of ice for, like, two weeks. And then the... And he just chops wood. And then the Illuminati hires him to assassinate Dante Alighieri. Yeah. <laughs> right. And it's odd watching time to kill Dante Alighieri. Um <laughs> uh, like let me cut this wood first. <laughs> yeah. Starring Nicolas Cage as Julian Edelman. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, and now for something completely different. So, we were talking... I, I want you guys' opinions on... This is going to be Brady's ninth Super Bowl? Or right. Ninth Super Bowl. And we... Sam, you and I watched several of those together. Sure. Um, and and the, the image of the Patriots... I, I bring this up because, obviously, the first New England Patriots Super Bowl win was against the St. Louis Rams. And right. now they're up against the young... And, and at that time, Tom Brady and the Patriots were the young upstarts against Kurt Warren and the St. Louis Rams. Who Warner. Warner, thank you. Um, and now the Rams, with their 32-year-old coach and their young 
spread out offense or the upstarts against the established dynasty of the New England Patriots. Right. And, but, go ahead. Okay. Sorry. No, no, finish your thought. No, no, I mean, there, that, that was basically my thought. Just looking back at, what are the Patriots, five and five and three? Five and three in the Super Bowl? Uh, yeah, that's right. Yeah. yeah. Yep. You know, what, what are your favorite memories? What are your least favorite memories? And I was especially thinking about the role of luck. It, because that's the thing about the NFL playoffs is it's one game. So luck is going to play a bigger, and not Andrew Luck, luck is going to play a bigger role in the game because it's it's just one game. Right. And they're Although, all, in a dump on the ump officiated Super Bowl, Andrew Luck and his Confederate Colts may storm the field at some point. Right. <laughs> Which would be Super awesome. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, the wild card. <laughs> um, I think, well, I think that, I mean, I think a lot of people are trying to, like, bring those, draw those similarities, you know? Uh-huh. Um, because Kurt Warner, you know, was like the cream of the NFL for a long time and it's a weird dude. But the, like, the Patriots and Rams matchup of right now looks more similar to the Patriots and Rams mashup matchup of then because back then it wasn't like Tom Brady wasn't a prolific passer. You know what I mean? Like they were Uh a rushing and defensive team. I think Tom Brady threw for like 150 yards in that Super Bowl or something. And like, you know, 60 of them were on the final drive or whatever, but it was like not, uh, and, and the Rams were this like intense, offensive powerhouse. Right. The greatest show in turf. Right. Exactly. So I don't think that, I think that that's a storyline that people would like to spread, but I don't think that it tracks. Yeah. Also, it's Tom Brady's 19th season. He's gone to nine Super Bowls. If he goes to the Super Bowl next year, he'll go to the Super Bowl half of his years in the NFL. That's crazy. That's amazing. That's fucking crazy. I think if I see one more storyline about what age uh, Bill Belichick or Tom Brady was when uh, McVeigh was fill in the blank, and right. my head's going to explode. <laughs> <laughs> I it's am, like, we get it. He's young. Yeah. I am older <laughs> than Sean McVeigh. Tom Brady won his first Super Bowl when I was in high school. Right. Yeah. There, my head just fucking exploded. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. Good work, Joe. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> uh, God, I'm just thinking back. So growing up in Oregon, I didn't really pay attention to the NFL. Right? I think I've talked about this on this podcast before. You've got the Seahawks, who were terrible in the 1990s, but that's a six-hour drive away. And you've got the San Francisco 49ers, who were good, but that's 14-hour drive away. So there's really no logical football team to root for when you're growing up in Oregon in the 90s. So I didn't really pay attention to football until I moved out east for college. And I remember 
going to those Super Bowl parties in the early 2000s, rooting for the Patriots. I was actively rooting for the Patriots in uh, 03 and 04. One of my best memories is actually watching the 2000... It was the 2003 Super Bowl to the 2002 season. It was the Tampa Bay Buccaneers versus the Oakland Raiders. And I had actually caught a red eye from Oregon to New York the night before. And then I had taken a bus into... I flew into Newark, and then I took a bus to New York City, and then a train upstate, and then another bus. And then I got to, to college right as the game was starting, but I hadn't slept for like 36 hours. And I was so cracked out. It was ridiculous. And I just watched that entire game in the days. I remember Tampa Bay won because it was cool. Because it was Pirates versus Pirates. And that's what I liked about that Super Bowl. And then the next year... Good. Your greatest Super Bowl memory was that you don't remember this one Super Bowl. <laughs> yeah, because I, I... It was like... I was so... Zon- <laughs> It was such a zombie experience. Like, that's what it must be to be a zombie. Don't sleep for several days. And then watch a football game between two teams you don't know with a bunch of strangers. And drink, like, six beers. And then drink, like, six beers. (laughs) And pass the (laughs) fuck out. (laughs) But for the Uh, next... Good. Well, didn't we drive to New Hampshire one year for the Super Bowl? Two years. The next two years. Uh, New England. Which one came first? Patriots, Panthers, or Patriots, Eagles? Patriots, Eagles, I think. Yeah, I think Panthers. So. Panthers. Panthers. Uh, and then Eagles. Uh, I'm pretty sure it was yeah. some reverse. I think you're right. Yeah, because I always thought it was the I think team. Panthers were the second one. No, we have to figure this out. Somebody Google that. Right, I'll Google it. Yeah, but we went up to New Hampshire for both of those, and Ethan's dad just had a spread for us waiting when we got there. Right. The, the 30... No, that was a different 30-pack thing. <laughs> right. There was lots of shrimp involved in that party. Yeah. Yeah. And we got there super late at night, too, but we would watch the Super Bowl. Panthers were 2003, Eagles were 2004. And the Patriots won both of those. And that was young Tom Brady. I guess, I think there's an interesting tide shift. And maybe it's the whole 16-0 season. From the 2004 season to the 2008 season, right? Because... After they beat the Eagles, that's three Super Bowls in four years. That in and of itself is astounding. Other teams don't do that. And then they Yeah, go- we just made the Super Bowl four of the last five years too. Yeah. So Exactly. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. Um people like to try and compare young Brady to old Brady and um which I think is kind of an odd thing to do because he's been pretty consistently good the entire time. Uh-huh. Um, but 
one thing I would say, and this sort of plays off the point that Sam was saying earlier, is that those early teams, those ones right after the turn of the century, they were so built on defense that they just looked a lot different. And so now if you look at the offense, you see a lot more Tom Brady in the last 10 years than maybe you did in the first 10 years. And I think that a big part of that is both that Tom Brady and age has gotten better at just commanding the game. And also the league is set up for quarterbacks now, right? Like yes, yes. That, that's the way the, the game has moved. So he's benefited from that as he's gotten older to be able to like be more knowledgeable at the position and how the game works. And then at the same time, the game changing around him to make it easier for him. I would say Tom Brady can read a defense better than anyone playing in the NFL right now. Possibly ever. Yeah. Yeah, it's ridiculous. I I only bring that up because the way that the game is played now with the emphasis on audibles, and you already brought this up, his quick release time, it's actually shortened his yards per attempt, but everyone's yards per attempt is shortened. Basically, he's playing the game faster and smarter than he had to 15 years ago. Well, yeah, after Randy Moss, he stopped going long. Really. Well, that's that's what yeah. I was gonna say, but that's not true though, because he had Brandon Cooks last year, right? And he was yeah, but Cooks was more of a like long cross pattern receiver, whereas Randy Moss was a fucking hail mary send it down the field yeah. player. You know? <laughs> <laughs> that's what I was gonna say is that through the twenty years of Tom Brady career, he's played a lot of different kinds of offense, be it like just we're just gonna run the ball, we're just gonna shove the ball down the throat of the defense. Or we're going to be a like long range passing team, or we're going to be like a short range passing team, yeah. like long drives, <clears throat> move the chains, that sort of thing. It's like he's not, you know, prolific in any one way, I guess. Or in all ways, he's prolific. He's adaptable. <laughs> he, he is adaptable. And that is actually yeah. the genius of Tom Brady is from year to year, he's able to change his game to to match what is the league is doing, not unlike Tim Duncan. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I just wanted to throw Tim Duncan in there. Yeah, I know. Yeah. <laughs> but it's true. It's a, it's a, it's a valid analogy. <laughs> <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. I feel like Tim Duncan's game primarily was based around the fact that he was taller than everybody else. No, no. Tim Duncan was able to adjust his game, and it was awesome. Yeah, Tim Duncan was great. He was a smart basketball player, for sure. Yeah, yeah. All right, guys, we got about 10 minutes, and we got to talk about MLB free agency. I apologize. All right. Yeah, no, it's good. I I about know. time. About goddamn time. Uh, so, um, <laughs> we've got less than 60 days until opening day. We've got what? God. Yeah, it's coming. Oh, it's been brutal. Ugh, it's going to get worse after next week. <laughs> yeah. But we have all these free agents still unsigned. Um, I don't think it's collusion. But I think it's a 
a, a recalibration of market value of players. And here is my right. question to you. Is, I'm trying to think of the best way to say this. When we're looking at wins above replacement and we're calibrating that to how much we spend on a player, suddenly everything's gotten less. You're never going to see another Alex Rodriguez-style contract. Mega deal. deal, yes. But my hypothesis is that your value per win is different from team to team. That a team that's competing to win the championship, like the Red Sox, the Yankees, the Cubs and the Dodgers, possibly the Houston Astros, they should be willing to spend more per win because of the ability to win in the playoffs versus the Pittsburgh Pirates and the Milwaukee Padres. Does that make any sense at all? Well, that's kind of... It kind of makes sense. It also kind of sounds like... You get a everybody is the same good all the time. Like the Padres stay bad and the Red Sox stay good, and that never changes. That that might, yeah, yeah, <laughs> right, <clears throat> which might happen. Right. Yeah. Um. Right, it might happen, but it also might not. I mean, I feel like that happens less in the MLB than it does in, say, the NBA, where right. the NBA will have, like, one team, whatever team LeBron James is on, that is just the best team forever. Yeah. And then, you know, it was the Spurs for a decade, and then it was the Heat and the Cavaliers for a decade, and now it's the Warriors, and... But we've talked about this. That's, I mean, I mean, and I think this is a helpful analogy. In basketball, if you've got two really, really good players, that's enough to change the shift of the game. You can put LeBron James on, on any team. You can put LeBron James on the goddamn Cleveland Cavaliers, and suddenly they're going to win the East every goddamn year. Mike Trout's never gotten to the World Series. Right. Right? Like, and he's the not even... The weatherman. Mike the weatherman. Right? Like, because baseball is a different game than basketball. Right. Right. Because Mike Trout is dominant. We have not seen a dominant player like Mike Trout, what, since Barry Bonds? I I would put forward the argument that only pitchers can dominate a game and they only play once, once every, every five. five games. Yep. I think you've made that argument before. Anyway. Yeah. Yeah. Like, <clears throat> Mike Trout's only dominant if they pitch to him, you know? Right. Right. And even then, even then he only gets a hit, like, one, one out of every three at-bats, you know? Yes. Yes. Yeah. Statistically speaking, you're only going to have an uh, offensive player – perform once every three times. So that in itself lends itself to not being able to dumb with a single player. Right. And I think that it was maybe two years ago when Mike Trout won the MVP and I was like upset. I thought 
Mookie Betts should have won the MVP, but then I was going through his numbers, and I think that Mike Trout either either scored or knocked in almost 50% of the runs that the Angels scored that year, <laughs> which is like a dominant performance and definitely an MVP performance, but it was on a really bad team. You know? but, like, but a it, really good team, your best player isn't responsible for 50% of your points, whereas in the NBA that might be the case for a good team. Oh, know? yes, that's true. Yeah, yeah, I like what you're saying. <clears throat> yeah. Because LeBron James could have 30 points and 10 assists, and that's and they score, what, 100 points, 110 points a game or whatever, yeah, and yeah. that's almost half of them, you know? And 30-10 is really good. Right. Yeah. But LeBron James does that shit all the time. What? Because he's a once-in-a-generation talent. Right. Yeah. Which you could argue Mike Trout also is. Yeah, I would argue Mike Trout is. And yet the LA <coughs> Angels... Like... Yeah, yeah. I mean, this is beating a dead horse. I apologize. But LeBron James took a sad sack shit of Cleveland Cavaliers to the NBA Finals four times and won, won the NBA Finals once. And Mike Trout has not taken a sad sack shit of LA Angels to... Wait, did they, they made the playoffs once, right? Yeah. Yeah. He's also so boring. Not that like, he can't. He can't. He can't. Yes. Like, because baseball is a different game. He is boring. Right. And let's talk about that. All right, we got, we got to wrap this up. But I want to talk about that. If his nickname wasn't the weatherman, his nickname should be Milk Toast. Yeah. <laughs> Mike Milk Toast Trout. Um, okay, we're running out of time. What's the timeline left for baseball offseason? Is there like a, a cutoff point of when moves, moves can be made? Is there anything that, or can that shit happen all the way up until? I don't know. Opening I, I know that it's getting later and later every year. But that's a bucket like, shift. I'd be like, uh, J.D. Martinez didn't get signed till March. Is that true? February, I think. February. Yeah, yeah it was the end of February. Yeah. Or maybe the beginning of February. Actually. I think it was the end of That's February. Weird. I think it was near. I think it was near the end of February. Um. All right, we gotta wrap this up. So, uh, Sam, tell me about True Detective. <laughs> oh well, I can't. <laughs> Eli hasn't caught up on last night's episode, but I yeah. just. I just the only thing that I will say that's like it's not a very funny show, uh, but it's definitely <laughs> it's not a very funny show. That's yeah, my I biggest mean, critique. Is it's not a very funny show? No, no, no. This this is like a caveat because the only thing I'm going to tell is this joke that keeps coming up in the show, um, but. <clears throat> And it's better than last season because the first season was good and the second season was not very good. And this season, it's good, but um, or I like it anyway. I don't know how Eli feels, but I like it. I like it. the main character is this like black detective in Arkansas in um, the eighties, in where it takes place across a long span of time. But the main action happens in the eighties or nineteen eighty, and his like go to thing 
is they'll be like interviewing these people about this crime and they're white. And he's like, you want to go to prison? I got a lot of brothers in prison who will fuck you in the ass and turn your innards to soup. And, then, and these guys just like start crying immediately. But he just keeps doing it over and over again. And at one point, his partner's like, oh my God, dude, why do you keep saying that? <laughs> it's really, it's really brutal. Well, you know I love soup. <laughs> Um, so, that's gross. Sounds like maybe you've loved prison in Kentucky. <clears throat> yeah. <No idea. laughs> but anyway, it's just the show's not funny. The show's like everything about it is like really intense. And then, and then he's just it's the way that he's like intimidated. It's, it's like, I don't know. You have to see it. I feel like maybe I'm not. Not doing a very good job. Well, let me watch it, and maybe we can watch, we can talk about it next week. Yeah. Right, right. Because I want you guys to to describe. So, Sam, you did you see the finale? Is it over now? No, no, no. no. Okay. It's only four episodes. Yeah. Oh, how long is it going to go? I don't know, eight episodes. Okay. Maybe ten. Because I really want you guys to describe to me the plot of True Detective season three. And me to be like, that doesn't make any sense. Well, let's That's definitely save this for, like, during our lull of yes. sports. Well, that's what's going to happen. We're going to have the Super yeah. Bowl, and then we got to figure out some fucking thing to do. until we'll just a True Detective podcast for a while. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. It'll be Sam and, Sam and Eli explain True Detective to Joel, who won't pay for HBO. <laughs> <laughs> or just borrow somebody else's HBO password. <laughs> yeah, I guess I could do that. Have you heard of the show Breaking Bad? I hear it's good. <laughs> um, <laughs> all right, so... Maybe we'll just reenact the whole thing for you. Yeah, it's about two detectives, so we could each play one's role. That's true. Yeah. Great. And then HBO be damned. Yeah. Dump yeah. on the Yump rendition. <laughs> yeah. We're taking over ESPN and HBO. And HBO. <laughs> and by taking over, we mean receiving cease and desist orders very shortly. Right. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. I got, yeah. Yeah. All right. So this weekend... I went on a bar call called uh, Barstool Golf. Have you guys ever heard of this? No. So it's a bar call. It's sponsored by the local Ambucks, which is a, uh, a non-profit charity organization that raises money to build playgrounds for people with disabilities, for children with disabilities, which is a great thing. And so you pay 20 bucks... And you go from bar to bar, and at each bar is set up a mini putt-putt golf hole. So you're playing mini putt-putt golf, but you're going from bar to bar, and you, you have to have a team of four people. Is it, though? Is it cool? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I like, I like putt-putt golf. Yeah, but 
See, do you have to just like wait in a line to go? Yeah, you do. You 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 have your playing card, and you take it with you from ball to ball. Your team. Do you have to play golf if you want to? No, that's an interesting point. This is the first time I've actually I've done this three times. This is the first time where I've actually gave them twenty dollars and played golf and been on the team. The other times I've just showed up and drank. Right. And nobody and you're like, fuck those kids. Exactly. And really what I've said is why do we have to add this element to drinking? Sam, I think I've talked to you about this before. Why do we have to add an element of competitiveness to drinking? Why can't we oh. just sit and drink? And I have the same complaint about drinking games as in drinking card games or uh, beer pong or flippy cup. People are always trying to add these unnecessary elements to just sitting and drinking. Which I think that, well, there, I, I can see what you're saying about drinking games. I feel like drinking and golf are like, it's like, why do you have to drink when you go to a baseball game? You know what I mean? Or like, why do you have to drink when you're playing softball or it's just like drinking is something you do while you golf uh-huh. or like I'm going golfing. And what they mean is I'm going drinking, you know, <laughs> can confirm. Yeah. <laughs> and, and it's, you know, it, it's, you know, don't tell my wife I'm actually drinking. I'm actually going golfing with my boys, but uh-huh. really we're just drinking. She'll okay. find out later. Right. And, like, sexually harassing the caddies, probably. Right. Know? Right. The male caddies. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but doesn't that make golfing harder? I, well, the thing also about golfing is, like, nobody really cares about the score, I think. Okay. It's kind we of just, we uh, should make a caveat, though, because there are people who take golf very seriously and like take their handicap really seriously. And like there is a contingent of golfers who are like that. And then there's everybody else. Right. Sam is explaining. I would say that unless you're like a professional golfer, if you're taking it seriously, then you're doing it wrong. Okay. You should just, yeah. Yeah. I can get on board with that. That makes sense to me. So, to wrap things up, it, you guys don't get to drive around golf carts, right? So it's like uh, it's like sanctioned drinking and driving <laughs> on golf carts, though, which is awesome, right? Yeah, right. Um, okay, so you guys are gonna watch the Super Bowl, right? I'll check it out. <laughs> <laughs> What's gonna yeah, be probably. your favorite? drinking game and I want to be on the record that I am opposed to drinking games but what is going to be your favorite drinking game while you watch the Super Bowl well who are the announcers first of all Uh, I don't know I feel like Tony Romo is ripe for some oh it'll be Joe Buck right it's Fox it should be Fox Fox. so Joe Buck and Troy Aikman right yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah, that's typically... I don't know. Every time Joe Buck says something fucking stupid, you take a drink. <laughs> that's going to be you all the time. It. Yeah, you don't make it through the first quarter. <laughs> yeah, that's going to be terrible. <laughs> oh, God. How about each time they call Tom Brady the goat? Finish your beer? I feel like people don't really do that. Oh, you don't think so? Yeah, like maybe his teammates, you know what I mean? Uh-huh. Oh, it is CBS. Oh. oh it's CBS. Yeah, so it's actually going to be Jim Nance and uh, Tony Romo. Oh, good. Well, what about every time Tony Romo calls a play exactly as it happens before it happens? <laughs> he yeah. Oh, I feel wow. like after all of his success in the AFC, he's going to be trying to do that on every single play. Do you think so? Do you think so? Or do you think he's going to... Well... <sighs> Do you think he's going to do that? He's gotten so much fanfare because yeah. of that. He might steal really it back. Try and ham that up. Yeah. But I kind of think that he's like the rain man. Like, he can't help it. If you see, if uh, you, if you see the play, you got to call it. You're dropping the cards on the floor. I think a shot of alcohol for every single time they mention the disparity between the ages of the two coaches. Yes. Oh, yeah. Yes. Or quarterbacks. Or Both. quarterbacks. Yes. Yeah. The fact that Tom Brady could be Sean McVay's uncle. Yeah. Yeah. His, like, kind of douchebag uncle. Yeah. Yeah. You might want to do it with beer, though, because shots might get you real fucked up before halftime. <laughs> or don't watch any of the free games. Yeah. <laughs> Free game doesn't count. <laughs> otherwise, otherwise you don't make it to kickoff, probably. There's going to be whole, like, baby book pictures of McVeigh while, you know, the Patriots are beating the Rams in 2001. I think he was uh, in middle school. Yeah, I think he was a sophomore in high school. Yeah. All right, we got to wrap this up. Um, one thing, so last week we talked about time traveling and what sports event we would time travel. And uh -huh. when I was doing this bar crawl, I kept asking folks what they would do. The most popular response was the Tom Brady tuck roll play against the Oakland Raiders, which uh -huh. I thought was fascinating. There are I think a lot oh, yeah, I believe it. People are real, real sore about that Yeah, still. and there are a lot of Raider fans out there that I didn't anticipate. Maybe I I'd should be have. Like I feel like there aren't. More than I would have anticipated. This is typical out-of-New-England sports fandom, though. Even, yeah. even the people yeah. who aren't fans of New England are obsessed with New England. Yeah, and Central Illinois. Deflate Gate. God, Deflate Gate's so fucking stupid. <sighs> I know. I nobody else brought that up this week actually to me. I had to, never mind. I don't want to talk about it anymore. <laughs> yeah, no. We can't talk about this. Alright. Alright. <laughs> so we made our Super Bowl picks. Um who's your Super Bowl MVP? Tom Brady. Eli? Uh Rob Gronkowski. 
Oh, I love it. I'm going with uh, my man Aaron Donald. He's going to get like two interceptions and break Tom Brady's uh, ankle. And I didn't want to do something too violent. Clavicle. <laughs> you, you know what, actually? I want to change it up because I feel like they've been giving it to defensive players. I think. What, so, is, what? what is the last time they gave it to a defensive player? Uh, 2013, they gave it to Butler for oh. that interception. <sighs> yeah, that's and true. That's the year before that, it was, uh, what's his name for the Seahawks? Sherman. Lid Sherman. No, they didn't. They gave it to Tom Brady, and Tom Brady gave his MVP truck to Oh, uh, yeah, you're right. You're to right. Malcolm He's Butler. Okay, I'm sticking with Gronk. I'm sticking yeah. with Magda. Yeah, I'm sticking with Gronk. <laughs> That's the play. That that interception is a play when I turned against the Patriots. I didn't mind the Patriots until that play. That's oh, yeah, you didn't ask me my favorite Super Bowl. Oh, yeah, what's your favorite Super Bowl? It was either that one or the Atlanta game. I mean, like the Atlanta comeback was the like something yeah. that, you know, you, you can't... You, you can watch the replays of that game, and it still doesn't seem real. You know, right. you know everything right. that's going to happen. You watch that game... How is that fucking even possible? And then it happens. I, uh, my favorite non-Patriot Super Bowl memory was when Peyton Manning of the Broncos got trounced by the Seahawks so bad that year. That was awesome. You remember? Yeah. He lost, like, it was like 50 to 16 or yeah. something like that. Yeah. I love that. Yeah, the Seahawks destroyed the Broncos that year. Yeah. Peyton Manning sucks. Peyton <laughs> Manning does suck. <laughs> All right. All right. This has been Dump on the Yelp. Thank you very much for listening. Uh, special shout out to Patty. If it's, it's another hour and 13 minutes, Patty. You had to break the last one into two sections. You're probably going to have to break this one into two sections <laughs> also. But thanks for being He'll a little. You'll do, do it. it. Shout out, Patty. Shout out, Patty. <laughs> we'll get you on the show someday. Um, again, this is Dump on the Yelp, ostensibly a baseball podcast not a blog uh follow us on apple itunes follow us on soundcloud follow us on twitter at dump on the ump follow us on facebook and check it out wordpress.dumponthump.com ladies and gentlemen thank you so much for listening we will see you all next week give us a share a review a rate and a like um or you know Talk shit to us. We don't care. We just need need the eyeballs. Uh, Eli, Sam, thanks, you guys. I will talk to you again next week. Take it easy. Here is Welcome to Atlanta featuring Champagne Zone, Ludacris. Have a good night and a pleasant tomorrow. Slapping them up, Cadillac in the truck. I can't lose with 22. That's what's up. Running in the back door. Better than this, the Big beats hit streets, see gangsters roaming, and parties don't stop till 8 in the morning.